Hello, power lovers. I'm here today on top of the Continental Divide, 11,500 feet up above the earth. I'm parked by the side of the road. It's around 7.45 in the evening on August 7th. Occasionally a car or truck will roar by. I'm facing some distant power mountains, a suitable place to discuss with you the end of the world. The world has an ending and a beginning. It begins with you and it ends with you. The end of this world occurs when you make a major transition in attention, when you move from one world into another, from one reality into another. Everything is dependent upon energy. Energy is attention. Attention is awareness. You were born with a specific amount of energy. That energy came from the totality. It came from your other lives. In this lifetime, you can increase your energy or you can decrease it. Mysticism is the study of energy. It's the study of power. Its use, its abuse. At every moment, you're getting stronger or you're growing weaker. At every moment, your attention field is increasing or it is decreasing. Why? Why have energy? Why have power? Does it matter? Is it spiritual? The more energy you have, the more freedom you have. In the physical world, money is freedom. If you have money, if you have wealth, then you can do what you want. You can get on a plane and go any place in the world. You can live wherever you want to. No one will bother you. If they do, you can hire people to aid you. Without money, you're powerless in this world. You can't buy food. You can't travel. You're totally subject to whatever happens. If someone says you break the law, that you've broken the law. If you don't have money for a good attorney, you may go to jail. Even if you didn't do something wrong. If you have money for a good attorney, you may go free. Even if you did do something wrong. Money is, is not inviolable. It doesn't change all conditions. But to be without money from a strategic point of view in the physical world is to be powerless. In the inner world, it's the same only it's pure power. Power is the ability to translate, that is to shift from one level of attention to another. Right now you're in a certain strata of awareness. Your awareness, your happiness, your unhappiness, all of these conditions are largely based upon your ability to move your attention. If you stay in the attention you're in, then you can predict everything that will happen to you for the rest of your life, your happinesses, your unhappinesses, your successes and your failures. 
you're in a country. In the country, the most you'll ever make in dollars and cents is fixed. You can't rise above it. The nicest house you, you can ever live in in that country, the nicest home, is whatever the nicest home is in that country. You can't rise above it. The worst thing that can ever happen to you in that country is the worst thing that ever happens to anyone in that country. This is attention. Attention is life. Attention, or the lack of it, is death. Right now you're in a country. The country is your mind. Your mind is filled with thoughts, desires, aspirations, loves, hates, jealousies, pure feelings. They constantly change and shift around you. You're in a jungle and there are many creatures roaming through it. You are subject to those creatures. Freedom is within oneself. But how to get beyond the thoughts, the desires, how to get into a different country that requires power. You have a certain amount of power. You were born with it. That power created the country that you now reside in. Your power comes from the totality, from the absolute reality, from God, whatever you'd like to call infiniteness. But now you're here and that's all that matters. What's gone before is gone. All you have now are the results of your actions. At this moment, you are as powerful as you are. You are no more or no less powerful than you are. At this moment, you can measure your power and your ability to stop thought. The longer you can stop thought, the more powerful you are. When you stop thought, you shift planes of reality, you move from one country into another. If you can only do it for a short period of time, then you can only reside in those more beautiful lands for short periods of time. The longer you can suspend thought, the more permanent the shifts inside yourself, in your awareness, not only for those moments in which there is no thought, but for those moments after, for those days, those weeks, for that life and for the next life. When thought stops, power increases. There are many ways to store power. You can visit places of power, special locations on the earth that are charged with power. You can be around powerful people. You can read the writings. Listen to the tapes. or read about beings of power. In other words, anything that puts you in touch with power, exercise, certain types of food, fasting, breaking up routines, specific ways of dreaming, certain ways of looking at life. There are many, many ways to shift one's attention, to be more or less powerful. Does power bring happiness? Does it bring refinement? Does it bring humor? Does it bring a good-heartedness, or is it just cold? Power is never cold. Cold people may use power in cold ways, but power itself is simply a word to try and describe attention, awareness, which embodies all things. 
If you have only been around people who use power in cruel and petty ways, then when you hear the very word, you may have a negative reaction. But it's important to redefine that word. It doesn't mean anything in particular. It can mean anything that you want it to. It can mean anything whatsoever. Power, power is what's required to change the universe. To change yourself into what you might like to be. If a rocket seeks to put a, spa a spaceship, a satellite, whatever it may be, into orbit, it has to have power. The more velocity it has, the higher the orbit will be of the satellite or the space station or the spaceship. A great deal of power is required to go above the Earth's gravitational field. If there's enough power, then an orbit is gained above the Earth, above the world. Eventually, gravity will pull the object back down. The higher the orbit, the longer it will take. If there's enough power, then one can break free of the Earth's gravity field. But then again, one could get trapped in the field of another heavenly body, so to speak. So it's necessary then to store power to be free. Right now you are in the gravity field of many different people who are in your life. Each person you feel attached to is a planetary body, perhaps a heavenly body, that is exerting a certain force in your life. And in order to be free, you need not attraction or repulsion. You need power. That way you can pass through this world, through the cosmos, and enjoy the universe, but not be trapped by the gravity fields of others. Power. Unadulterated, pure power. There's an art, naturally, or a science, or both. Maybe it's the same to gaining power. And to be honest with you, there's a natural force or inclination in all of our beings to accumulate power. The problem that we come into is conditioning, our own conditioning and the conditioning of others. Now listen carefully. This sounds simple, but it's very complex. It runs deep into the psyche. When you were born, you were free. Your attention field, your awareness is not yet formed. Your attention field is the sum total of your experiences from other lives, yes. But yet, it is not conditioned. It is not fully manifest, it is the seed. Within the seed is the tree. Yet if we know seeds, we can look at a particular seed and say this will grow into an apple tree, this will grow into an oak tree, this will grow into an orange tree. The entire tree is contained in the seed. Some seeds will never germinate. But if the proper conditions are provided, they will. So 
when you were born, you were a seed. You were the seed of your past experiences and actions in other theaters of existence in other worlds, in other lives. Those lives are gone for all intents and purposes, but yet you are the seed. And if the seed is planted in the right ground, it will grow. And one who can see can look at a child and say, yes, I can see the evolution of this child and what this child will grow into. When it is mature, the child may not outwardly evidence any of those traits or characteristics yet. But one who sees looks through the physical and temporal and can tell you the potential of a child. Well, of course, I do the same thing. As a seer, I naturally can see the evolutionary potential of a being. But the potential will not necessarily be actualized. A particular being will not necessarily realize their full height. If we plant an orange tree in a cold climate, it won't grow. Or it will grow for a while and then die. If we plant a tree in too much shade, if there are other big trees around it and it doesn't get enough light, it'll grow, but it may never bear fruit. So conditions are important. Conditioning. Conditioning comes from the parents and the adults or others around the child. The child is born with a potential in seed form. The conditions, though, are not so much the geographical areas, but the people, the luminous beings who surround the child. Each person has an attention field. Their attention field is the sum total of their awareness and their imprinting. There is normally, in the life of each child, a dominant male and dominant female, usually the physical mother or father. It could be the adopted mother or father. It could be anyone. In other words, the male or female that the child has the most exposure to in the first four to six years of its life, particularly the first four, is the primary imprinter of the child. The imprinter of the child will condition the child. Now, a child could have many, many imprinters in those first years, and of course, one is imprinted also in the following years, but the most serious imprinting occurs in those first years. So let's say a child was raised in a commune and it was exposed to six or seven different men or six or seven different women, then they would all be the imprinters. And the imprinting that the child's attention field took on would be the sum total of the different views. This is not better than having one imprinter or worse. It depends on the individual's. A child is imprinted not by simply the teaching, not by saying, Johnny, this is a good action and this is a bad action. Of course, that's an obvious imprinting. But attention is like soft, soft clay, a child's attention field. And the attention fields of adults in particular are stratified. They're like hard clay and they have different shapes if you could see them inwardly. So imagine that we have a young child and the body is made of clay. It's very soft. Let's say we take one male and one female, and let's say that the male shape is square and the female shape is round. And let's say we take one and we push them on each side of the child's attention field. And let's say we push the round field of the woman on the left side of the child and the square field 
on the right side of the child. And we push them in and push them and push them. And we let them hold there until the clay of the child hardens. Then we back them off and now the child will be imprinted. In other words, nothing has to be said, nothing has to be explained, just by being around the awareness field of the male or female imprinter, the child is imprinted. The child will also gain imprints, obviously, from others. And in later life, teachers, lovers, husbands, wives. We continue to imprint throughout our lives, but the critical imprinting, the deepest imprinting, occurs in the first four years. But the other imprinting that follows is also extremely significant. The first sexual experience, for example, is a significant imprinting. Everyone imprints all the time and is imprinted because our consciousness is never completely hardened, but it becomes more stratified as we grow older, as more and more imprints are taken. In mysticism, the first course of action is to do away with the imprinting. We have to take all the imprinting that's occurred to us in this life and wash it. We have to make ourselves soft again and push it all aside. Then we need to be re-imprinted, but in a different way. Imprinting is important. Without it, we don't survive. The child needs to be imprinted. It seeks it as a matter of fact. It's essential. The child seeks to be imprinted because it has to have a way of dealing with the world. And those who imprint it obviously have managed to survive in this world. And imprinting is critical. If your parents were strong in one way and weak in another, you will be strong in the same way and weak in the same way. Even though you may detest the weakness that you saw in them, you will find that you will do exactly the same things in the same situation because they imprinted you. Not by choice, that is to say, they didn't want to give you a weak imprint, they might have wanted the opposite. But they couldn't help themselves. Perhaps they were imprinted in the same way. We are all carrying the imprints of our most ancient ancestors, not simply in the genetic code in the DNA within us, but in the imprints of attention that are passed on. There are also subtle imprints that occur in a society, a whole society imprints us, a language, a culture imprints us, television, just living in a country. There's a vibratory imprint, all the collective attentions of all the people who live there imprint us. If everybody's thinking the same thing, desiring the same things, even though we don't have physical contact with people, if we're within a certain geographical area, or even on a specific planet, or in a certain dimensional plane, we are imprinted. We ourselves are free attention. You are not anyone or anything in particular. You are attention itself. You are awareness itself. You don't have a particular form. You contain everything, or everything is contained within you, or you are contained by all things. So the mystic, the one who studies the ways of power, seeks to end the imprinting process. Because in imprinting, we lose power, we lose attention. We're formatted to do certain things. But obviously, the people who imprinted us 
are not completely happy and they're not completely powerful. If you lived in a world of completely powerful, enlightened beings, then obviously you would have a clean imprint. But we don't. We live in a world filled with poverty, suffering, war, and unhappiness, and transitory joy. So naturally we receive that imprint, and we have to fight our whole life against that imprinting. But we need a new imprinting. We need the imprinting of enlightenment of freedom, and that comes through our association with a higher being. So classically what occurs is one meets a teacher, one who has knowledge, and that being will teach you how to overcome your old imprinting by changing your way of life and by teaching you the ways of power, how to store it, collect it, amplify it, how to stop losing it by bringing enough power into your life, you will gradually erase or actually overcome your imprinting. And then the teacher will have a certain imprint, and each teacher imprints differently. They imprint according to their own characteristics. Now still, even ultimately, to a certain extent, the imprint of the teacher is a limitation which you will finally have to overcome in your final stages of self-realization, of knowledge. You will go beyond the teacher's imprint. But if you had a truly enlightened teacher, the, the dominant spiritual figure that you came into contact with personally or inwardly, then they will give you a correct imprint and that correct imprint will aid you in your self-discovery. In the last stages you'll overcome it, but it won't be something that will hold you back. It'll fall away naturally if it was the correct imprint. If your parents, your physical parents, were, or whoever imprinted you were well-balanced, they were happy if they had a good attitude about life, if they didn't try and hold on to you, to wrap you up, uh, to make you feel guilty and all the things that most parents do, then they did you a favor. Their imprint is not necessarily bad. It has to be transcended if you want to go into the other worlds of attention, if you want to be free. Because even at its best, it's still a limited description of the world, unless they themselves were mystics of a high order, then even the best human imprint is still a human imprint, and it has to be gone beyond, and it requires power to do this. Power will take us beyond the gravity field of the imprint. So it's necessary then to do systems analysis of your life, to look at where you gain power, where you lose power, and to do the things that empower you and avoid the things that drain you. And then it's necessary to seek out one who can re-imprint you. Now, the re-imprinting process is, is really fascinating. First of all, I'm making it sound a bit like you don't have to do the work, and that's not true at all. Because in order to draw a teacher, that is to say, one who will imprint you properly, you have to store quite a bit of power by leading a certain type of life, let's say. Now, once you've drawn such a teacher, it's another matter to be in the right state of attention for them to properly imprint you. Oh, imprint you they will. But as to how well that imprint will take, well, it depends a lot upon how much you've erased your original imprint. No one can 
bring you into higher states of attention permanently. I can take an individual and I can change their awareness. It's easy. But how long will it last? Oh, there will be a residual positive effect. Whenever I'm in physical contact with someone, naturally, my attention field is obviously imprinting them in a certain way. That's why just associating with a powerful person is obviously a good thing. But it won't necessarily create the substantial changes that are necessary for a person to spin themselves into other worlds, to go beyond the unhappiness and frustration of human experience, and in this life to reach the totality of themselves and experience freedom and knowledge and fun. No, each person has to do that on their own, just as I had to and continue to have to do it on my own. So a teacher can show you those ways. But no one can do it for you. Then you have to take what you learn from them and go out and live it. You have to fight your battles of power. You have to overcome your own conditioning. You have to change your life. Think of your life as a field. There's a big field behind your house. And let's say that everything that you need comes from that field. In that field you grow all the food you eat and you collect the water that you drink. Your life is dependent upon what comes in and out of that field. Now, let's say that some people use their field well, some use it poorly. The field is the field of action. You're born with a certain amount of luminosity. You're born with a certain amount of power, true. But in order for that luminosity and power to grow, you need a certain environmental condition. So, what the mystic does is they set up their life as a field of power. In other words, you can draw power from everything in your life and that power will roll into your being. It'll increase your own power and it will also trigger a reaction. And that reaction will be the release of the power within yourself. Just as when we split an atom, there's tremendous power and energy released. Matter converts into energy. So we can split the atom, the nucleus of our own being, where all our power from all our lives is stored. But in order to do that, everything has to be set up in a proper way. Otherwise, either it won't work or the results will be catastrophic. So it's necessary to groom our life, to bring it into order, to examine each thing in our life and ask, us, ask ourselves if it's bringing power and force and energy into our life or if it's draining it. So it's necessary to look at each relationship we have, at our career, where we live, at our habits and routines, at our thought patterns. Each item has to be carefully gone through and constantly improved and checked and rechecked. The question you have to ask yourself, the most basic question is, is your life taking power from you or is it adding power to you? You need an honest answer. Are you stronger each day? When I say stronger, I don't simply mean your physical body. But is your awareness stronger? And remember, the way we measure awareness is by how long you can stop thought. If you can't stop thought at all at this time, then you are not powerful. You might be quite evolved, but you have no access to that evolution. You've inherited money, but it hasn't come to you yet, and it might not come to you. It's necessary for you to stop thought. 
So if then as a guideline, you were finding that you can stop thought longer and longer, which means go into the higher levels of attention for longer and longer periods of time or timelessness. If you see that trend in your life, then I would say your life is bringing power into your being. You're gaining things uh, out from that field behind the house. You're growing vegetables and plants, and you've got some buckets out to collect some water. Now, how efficiently you're using the field that you have, how efficiently you're using the life situations around you is a question. That's what we have to try and determine. And so then, of course, you move into the program of mysticism of self-discovery. which is what I teach and some others teach. How to do that. How to increase the productivity. On the other hand, your life may be draining away. Every day you may be getting older instead of younger, more frustrated instead of happier. Your job may not be progressing at the rate you would like it to. Your relationships may not be evolving. You may not be as happy as you once were. If you're not, then certainly your power is dwindling. If you're happier than you've ever been, it's increasing. But is it as fast a rate of climb as you would like? Obviously, if it's decreasing, then you've got to do something about it right away. Because when your life energy depletes more and more, as your power level goes down, you will become physically ill. When our power level is down sufficiently, we die. Power. It's use, it's abuse. Many people abuse power. They use power in the wrong way. They use power to dominate others. Ultimately, when you do this, you lose it. They use power to destroy others, to keep others from becoming more powerful because they fear that they will lose something, an element of control. You see, you can take power from others, you can steal it. Oh, it's not a very high-grade power, that's for sure, but you can steal power. Just as somebody can work very hard for their money and you could go in and break into their house and take it away and they won't have it. So you can steal power, you can drain power from others. That power will take you into limited spheres of attention. It will give you a certain amount of access to a better life, a better career, and so on and so forth. But it corrupts the individual. Uh, the person who takes it will never really be happy with the things they gain from it because they've lost their essential balance and innocence. And without innocence, nothing can further, as they say in the I Ching. But suppose you've been imprinted by people who take power from others, which is most, or almost all human beings in this world. In other words, I would suggest that a lot of the imprint that you have gained, or imprints that you've gained as you've lived your life, have been imprints of taking power from others. Taking power during sexual experiences, taking power from those you associate with in school, taking power from those who you associate with in family relationships, taking power from those you associate with at your job, taking power from people you don't even see physically anymore. You may have known them years and years ago, but you can still enter into their attention field and drain them. 
most people drain each other. Or, what's worse is, <laughs> they're draining you right now, psychically. To not know about this is not to be protected from it. Innocence does not protect you. Otherwise, the little lamb would never be slaughtered. Purity does not necessarily bring about by itself awareness and knowledge and freedom. Otherwise, every tree or plant that grows would be totally powerful and totally knowledgeable and totally free because they're completely pure. In addition to purity, in addition to innocence, we have to have knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil and also a knowledge that transcends good and evil, which is self-awareness. We have to move beyond the limited parameters that most human beings have and realize that there are thousands and millions of worlds beyond this world, planes of reality. This is only a small part of the totality. And from this island Earth, we see only a small fragment of creation and its knowledge. We gain only a limited view of who and what we are. And our purpose in this life is to gain the view of ourselves. Otherwise, why live? And otherwise, we're total slaves to others who psychically drain us, who abuse us. Or, even if we're somewhat successful at containing this, we just never reach what we could reach. We never know the miracle of existence. I'm up at the top of the Continental Divide in a power spot. The sun has gone over the mountains now and there are just a few hazy purple clouds. In the background, the sky is fairly clear. The moment of sunset is a moment when the doorway opens to eternity. It's a very easy time to shift attention. And we're in the twilight of our world. We're in the twilight of this earth. The societies and civilizations of human beings will not endure much longer because of their abuses of power. Yet it's a wonderful time because it's life. We're in eternity and we're eternal beings. Free yourself from happiness and unhappiness. Realize that there's something beyond both, and yet at the same time revel in your time, revel in this world. You just need to know how. I'm a teacher, a mystic. I teach people how. If I can be of some use to you, then I'd be happy to. But you have to work with this knowledge. It won't come easily. It'll come. You have to be the exceptional being who separates themselves from the herd and the fate of the herd. And then you'll find that there are others like yourself of like mind who seek to break the boundaries of human knowledge. These are the geniuses of our time. Those who can look beyond what we call human knowledge and not be so filled with dogma and prejudice as to say, the earth is of course the center of the universe. How could a man ever fly in a plane? How could a woman ever have the right to vote? Only a few hundred years ago, these were the beliefs. Well, what are the beliefs today? Are they not just as ignorant? To think that this is the only universe that exists? That the physical creation is all that there is, that we are 
limited by our bodies, that we are not capable of all knowledge and all intelligence? These are the dogmas of our time, to not realize that we are affected by everyone around us, everyone we think about affects us psychically, to not realize that life is a field of power, to not just be happy in our time, to not know these things is criminal, in my opinion. If you were a sensitive and evolved being, it's simply criminal to keep yourself in a state of ignorance means that you just add to the negative imprinting that goes and goes on in our world. Self-discovery, psychic development, occultism, mysticism, self-realization, learning to love and be free, learning to free oneself from the grip of maya, of illusion, learning to live a strategic life so you can create success in everything that you do, economic success, political success, spiritual success. It's all the same. The principles are the same, and once they're learned, you'll be free. And just to be happy in the moment, to be beyond fear and doubt, what a great gift. It's something that you can gain. All you need are the tools of knowledge, and then you must apply them intelligently, and you can be free. You can be the exception. But you need to develop a winner's profile. And to do that, you need to learn the ways of power. So what use is power? We are power. We are energy. We are light. We are eternity itself. But these are only words if you don't have the personal power to unlock the gates of immortality and of mortality. Otherwise, you're a victim. Better to be a victor. Better to be beyond victory and defeat and be something else. Everything depends upon your attention, your awareness. So why not begin now? Why not begin today? Don't be afraid to take, take a chance, to jump, because death will swallow you up anyway. Death is a friend that encourages us to become aware, to become free. When intelligent, intelligently applied, the ways of power will free you. There is something beyond power. It's hard to describe. First, you have to have a great deal of power even to open up the subject. What's beyond power? The totality of one's being. Some call it nirvana some enlightenment. We have a higher destiny. But before you can even scratch the surface of the subject, you have to bring your life into order and make it very successful. You need to be happy and free. You need to be able to see psychically and understand what's going on in the universe. 
how you're being affected by others, how you affect others, what you really are, what your luminosity is about, how to reorder your luminous fibers, how to clarify and strengthen your mind. But after you've done those things, which are the basics, then there is something, and we call it freedom. Freedom, knowledge. It's beyond power. Power takes you there, but it's not the end. There is no ending and there is no beginning. That's what makes it so exciting. Life is not a closed circuit. It's endless. There's always something new. There's always a new adventure. There's a little bit of snow on some of the mountains up here, even though it's August. A few faint traces. They remind us that winter will come again. In each one of our lives. There's something to remind us. That we will be here only a while. The winter will come again. And it encourages us to enjoy these moments of life. Self-discovery and the study of mysticism should never take you away from being in touch with the most basic things, the most basic happinesses. If you're practicing it correctly, it should cause you to see more beauty in everything, more light. To be aware, what a wonderful thing. To be awareness itself, a better thing perhaps. So begin to think about your life. Make lists, write down the things that give you power, write thing, the things that take your power away down also. Make lists of people who are close to you and ask yourself, are your associations raising you to a higher level of attention? Learn and study the ways of power and be free. Take that field out in the back of your house and plan it in a new way. Find out how if you don't know how. Learn to overcome the imprinting that you now have and gain a new and higher imprinting that will lead you into the luminous spheres of awareness and cause you to be in charge of your own life in your own time and your own being and will give you freedom. Don't be afraid. I and others who have gone through this struggle and who continue, of course, encourage you. We're your friends. You can do it, but don't rely on anyone to do it for yourself. Learn what you can from those who have obviously succeeded at anything that you'd like to succeed at. But then implement these things in your own life, and then you can relax and just enjoy the unrivaled fun of the universe. Self-realization is the last game on earth worth playing. Self-mastery, yes, but also just enjoyment. 
enjoyment of the moment and enjoyment of eternity. So this is Rama up here at the top of the continental divide at around 11,500 feet. Looking at the snow and thinking of death and thinking of rebirth and thinking of all kinds of things. And thinking of you. Good luck. You'll have it.